Episode 63, Genesis 21, verses 3 to 8. Great feasts before the Lord. Verse 3. Abraham named his son Isaac. Sarah gave birth to this son of Abraham. The promised son has come, and Abraham names him Yitzhak, for laughter is his name. When the Lord speaks, it is already done. We merely have to stand back and see the wondrous workings of God. Verse 4. Abraham circumcised Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded. God commanded, and Abraham obeyed in detail. Isaac was circumcised on the eighth day. Verse 5. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Isaac, the child of laughter, was born when Abraham was having his centennial celebration. This was a full 25 years after the move from Haran to Canaan, and 14 years after the birth of Ishmael. The year of Isaac's birth is 2,109 Anno Mundi. In just 1,895 years, the Son of God would be born about 45 miles to the north of where Abraham is located now. No amount of time or distance is too difficult for God to span in order to fulfill his promises to his people whom he foreknows. In the next two verses, what we look at, Sarah sings out in two exclamations that are almost poetic in nature. The first of these is verse 6, and it actually comprises two sentences in the Hebrew. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. Everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Her words turn on the word laugh. This, however, is completely different than the incredulous laugh of chapter 18, where doubt ruled the day. This laugh is laughter of both wonder and delight at what has happened, and she acknowledges God's sovereign power to overcome even old age and a barren womb. And in the process, as God makes people laugh, and it's not just the person who is directly involved in the miracle, but those who hear of it as well. God has made me laugh, and all who hear it will laugh with me. Yes, there is joy and rejoicing over these things. But how much more of even greater things? If God can regenerate the barren womb, he can also restore life from the overflowing tomb. He did it for his own son, raising him from the dead by his great power. And he promises to do it for you as well. The earth's womb which devours our loved ones and which will eventually devour us will be emptied of those who have placed their trust in him. The day is coming and the promise is sure. Eternal laughter will replace our temporary sadness. Verse 7. No one thought that I would be able to have Abraham's child. The turning note of the previous verse was laughter, but the turning note of this one is the triumph of not only her own previous unbelief, but of anyone else that wouldn't have believed it. What nobody could ever have expected has come to pass. She has accused herself of past ingratitude and shouts triumph over it. 
Verse 7 continues. But I have given Abraham a son while he is old. And that makes a good point to stop and tell you that even though you may have to wait for the promises of the Bible to come about in your own life, they will all come to pass. The people of God have waited 2,000 years to see Jesus come in the clouds for them. But there is no reason to doubt. He will come. We're waiting for a time when we don't lose family members and it is coming. We're waiting for a time when Jesus will sit as king over the earth, ruling from Jerusalem, and it is coming. We're waiting for the world to be renewed like the Garden of Eden. Don't get frustrated. It is coming. Every promise God has made will come to pass, just as his word records. Be still and wait patiently. It will all come to pass. Verse 8. Isaac grew and became old enough to eat food. At that time, Abraham gave a great feast. In one verse, we've just skipped over three years of life as the child grew and became old enough to eat food. Once Isaac reached the age of three and was considered fully capable of living on solid food rather than his mother's milk, Abraham threw a giant party. The reason why he did this is the same reason they do this in parts of the world even today. It's because until a child is on solid food, they have a much greater chance of not making it. Once a certain age is met within a society, a party is given as a general indication that the days of uncertainty are past and he is now likely to be around until adulthood. When the day came, Abraham gave a feast or a misday in Hebrew. This is the second time such a meal has been mentioned in the Bible thus far. The first was when the two destroying angels appeared at Sodom, and Lot invited them to his home. The first misday or feast in the Bible was the result of the outcry of wickedness against a city, and it ended in sadness and the loss of life. The next misday is the result of the happy birth and the growth of the son of promise. It will lead to the long and prosperous life of this child of laughter. There are many other feasts like this mentioned in the Bible by both pagans and by the faithful. But there is also another kind of feast the Bible speaks of. These feasts are detailed in Leviticus 23 and they are known as the feasts of the Lord. There were eight of them that the people of Israel were obligated to attend to. Let me introduce these feasts. The Sabbath, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Even though they are different than the feast Abraham gave when Isaac was weaned, these feasts were also given at specific times and to celebrate certain events. The Sabbath was a weekly feast and it was to celebrate God's rest and redemption. This was fulfilled by Jesus and it is the reason we don't have a Sabbath in Christianity. Hebrews 4 verse 3 says, Now we who believe do enter that rest. Our rest is in Christ and his work, not in a Sabbath day. The Passover was fulfilled by Jesus, as is recorded in 1 Corinthians 5, where it says, Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed. His blood is what causes God's judgment to pass over us. We are now free from the penalty of our sin. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was fulfilled by Jesus 
as is also recorded in 1 Corinthians 5, where it says that through Christ, you truly are unleavened. Because of this, Paul says we should keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The feast of first fruits was fulfilled in Christ, as Paul notes in 1 Corinthians 15, because he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits was a picture of the resurrection. The Feast of Weeks was fulfilled in Christ when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers in Acts chapter 2. The Feast of Weeks is also known as Pentecost, something we reflect on each year, 50 days after Resurrection Day. The Feast of Trumpets was fulfilled in Christ on the day of his birth, as the Bible details. The same day that people were blowing trumpets and rejoicing, they could not have realized that their blasts were actually welcoming in the King of the Universe. The Day of Atonement was fulfilled in Christ, as Paul records in Romans 3, being declared righteous freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God did set forth a mercy seat. The mercy seat is the place of atonement. And finally, the eighth feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. This was fulfilled in Christ when he put on a tabernacle of flesh and dwelt among us, as John records in his Gospel. And the Word became flesh and did tabernacle among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of an only begotten of a father, full of grace and truth. You see, for the people of God who have called on Jesus, every good thing promised by him in the Old Testament is realized in him in the New. He is the Lord of all feasts, and he is the one with whom we will dine someday at a great table of abundance. No wonder David wrote these words to us in the 23rd Psalm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus there are no guesses. In Jesus there is no speculation as to whether he can fulfill his promises. In Jesus there is no worry if he will turn away from those who call on him. You see, in Jesus there is only truth and surety. Hallelujah and Amen.